0: This morning, I'm going to do something that I have never done before. (laughs) Um, And it's not something that I do lightly. Um, I'm going to be preaching the same message that I preached on Sunday night at the very next available opportunity here in this church. Last Saturday, after I had finished preparing the message, I heard the voice of the Lord in my mind saying, Warn them, and warn them again. And I've tried to be sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord, and the Lord has given me direction to add some things. Um, just through, he's coordinated it all, that there is some extra things that are going into the message. So if you have heard it before, those of you who are here on Sunday evening, then uh, don't switch off. Um the message is still as important as it was back then. So I want to begin by reading portions of an article from a website um, called TGC, The Gospel Coalition, which is titled, Three Beliefs Some Progressive Christians and Atheists Share, by... A lady named Elisa Childers on November the 13th, 2018. So, fairly recently in the last year. This uh, website is not something that I personally will endorse um, or our church organization will endorse as being tr- um, of the truth. And I'll also mention that none of the people mentioned in this article are thankfully. Um, from the United Pentecostal Church. So the article begins like this Listen, I've got to break it to you. I'm post Christian. I don't believe it anymore. I don't believe any of it. These are the words former Christian minister Bart Campolo recalls speaking to his famous evangelist father, Tony Campolo after leaving the faith of his youth. He explained that his journey to secular humanism was a 30-year process of passing through every stage of heresy. In other words, his theology progressed from conservative to liberal to entirely secular, not believing in God. He predicted that in 10 years... 30% 30% to 40% of so-called progressive Christians will also become atheists. Progressive Christianity is tough to define because there isn't a creed or list of beliefs that progressive Christians officially unite around. However, progressive Christians tend to reject the historical biblical understanding of marriage and sexuality and generally defy, sorry, deny or redefine doctrines such as the atonement, which is Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross for our sins, and biblical authority, the fact that God wrote the word of God. As a result, Campolo believes that for the most part, progressives have already abandoned Christianity, simply redefining terms in an effort to hold on to some semblance of their faith. He believes the generation behind them will recognize the shallowness of this new theology and with nothing invested in remaining a Christian, they'll basically say, let's just call it what it is and leave the faith altogether. Bands like Cademan's Call composed the soundtrack for many evangelical youth. That's why it's especially sad to learn that former member Derek Webb recently announced he's walked away from his faith, finding the Christian narrative to not be True. He describes his latest album, Fingers Crossed, as a tale of two divorces, referencing the divorce from his wife and from God. The album features a song called Goodbye for Now, which laments, So either you aren't real, or I am just not chosen. Maybe I'll never know. Either way, my heart is broken, so goodbye for now. These deconversion stories, or basically the opposite of being converted, going back, going outside of God, going into the world, have become almost a rite of passage in the progressive church, giving rise to podcasts, websites, and conferences entirely devoted to the process of deconstruction, or basically backsliding. In fact, Webb's album has been described as an anthem for deconstruction inspiring a podcast called The Airing of Grief, where listeners can share their deconversion stories. The article goes on a bit further down, saying, Here are three atheistic ideas that some progressive Christians espouse and may lead them into full-blown atheism. Number one, they may adopt a belief that the Bible is unreliable. The Bible... Okay, um, so here are a few quotes by people. Rob Bell says the Bible is a profoundly human book. Peter Enns says if we are fixed on the Bible as a book that has to get history right the Gospels become a crippling problem. James Burklow says anything in the Bible that looks miraculous or contrary to the normal functions of the natural world is not factual but rather is mythological. Think these are the musings of hardened skeptics? The declarations of atheists bent on destroying Christianity? No. These are actually the words of progressive Christian writers and scholars about their own holy book. No one would think twice if they heard an atheist to write the supernatural stories in Scripture. But they might be surprised to learn that progressive Christians share this same skepticism. Number two, and this is something that I didn't mention in the previous message. They may have an unresolved answer to the problem of evil. For atheists, one of the most consistent defeaters of belief in God is the reality of evil and suffering. Throughout the ages, even many Christians have wrestled with this ancient dilemma. If God is good, why is there evil? If He's all powerful, why doesn't He do something about it? Sadly, When someone can't come to a place of resolve and peace with these questions, the temptation is to redefine the faith they've held or leave it altogether. Former atheist C.S. Lewis wrote, My argument against God was that the universe seemed so cruel and unjust. But how had I got this idea of unjust and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing this universe with when I called it unjust? For Lewis, the problem of evil led him to faith in God. But in the case of progressive Christians and atheists, it often leads to further deconstruction and unbelief. I want to leave the article for a moment and talk about this problem of evil. The answer to the problem of evil is actually quite simple. The first beings God created that were capable of independent thought were the angels. And angels were created to minister to, or in other words, worship, God. This is because God desires and deserves to be worshipped above all else. One of the angels, Lucifer, decided that he wanted to be God instead. So he led a rebellion against God that involved a third of the angels. Lucifer and his angels were cast out of heaven and the other two-thirds of the angels continue to serve God faithfully and even automatically. They made their choice. The angels only had one choice to make, to follow God or Lucifer that one time and that has determined their eternal destination. But God desired more than that. If God wanted automatic worship, then he had that in the angels. And they've even made a choice to continue to worship Him, the two-thirds of the angels. But God desired more than that. God desired a creation that would continue to choose to follow and worship Him no matter what the situation or circumstances that they faced. God desired a creation that would worship Him out of their own free wills no matter how easy or how hard it was. To do that, God had to make a creation that had completely free wills, with the ability and even right to make their own choices, either good or bad. God has always had huge blessings prepared for those who choose to serve and follow and worship Him. But He has not always poured out judgment on those who have denied His existence or metaphorically spat in His face. Why is that? It's because God doesn't want robots. God wants people to worship Him freely, to choose to worship Him. Think about it. If God stopped people every time from making bad choices, even from doing evil against their fellow man, He would be taking away people's free will. The same goes for pouring out judgment. You can't give creation a free will and then force them to only make good choices. If God... At the time someone made a bad choice, just destroyed them or or gave a huge punishment at that time, that's taking away free will. That's not free will. That's programming people to only make certain choices. That's creating robots, not people. And stopping people from making bad choices, from doing evil, would completely negate the entire purpose that he created us for. He wanted a people who would choose to worship Him, who would choose of their own free will to say, I choose to worship God. I choose to follow God, not because of what's going on around me, but because I choose to follow God. Don't think that God doesn't want to stop all of the evil and the suffering. Don't think that God is heartless by not stepping in. It grieves God to his very core when he sees all of the evil and the sin and the depravity that man chooses to do when they turn their backs on him. But he made a choice right at the very beginning of creation to see this all through, all the way to the very end. Because God has a purpose. God has in mind us. God has in mind those who would choose to freely worship and serve and follow Him. He wants people to choose Him over all of the evil, all of the alternative choices, all of the sin, and choose to worship Him freely. And to continue to choose to worship Him from day to day to day, no matter what comes in their path. That's what God desires. That's what God seeks. That's why he created us in the first place. This doesn't mean that God doesn't step in at times. God will take control of situations, not people's wills. You see, God is really jealous over his people. The people that choose to follow him, even with all of the junk that goes on around them, and no matter how bright the lights are in this world, Those who choose to worship him, even when society brands them fanatics or evil. Anything or anyone who comes after his people had better watch out. Because God has a track record of looking after his people. God preserved Israel and Judah many times when vastly superior forces came against them. Sometimes even giving them the victory without them even lifting a finger. You see, mankind of their own free wills wanted to and still want to destroy the Israelites. But God has his hand on them. I remember being told about um, the nation of Israel in, in modern history. How they were surrounded by, I think it was the, um, the Arabs. And they were surrounded by the Arabs. And I think they were even on lower ground. Everything was against them. They they had them basically being sniped from, from all directions and they won. They survived because God was with them. God looks after his people. But that was only when they looked to God and worshipped him like they should. The other times when they rebelled against God, when they worshipped other gods, he left them to be destroyed. When they were his people, he did miraculous things in their midst. And when they left him, he withdrew his protective hand from them, allowing the other nations to do what they wanted with the Israelites. Why do you think that God told the Israelites to destroy all of the inhabitants of their land that God had given to his people when Joshua went in? Wouldn't it have been easier and less gory to just get those nations to relocate to a different spot? We once again come back to the aspect of free will. No nation will ever willingly leave their land without a significant reason. And God is not going to override someone's free will. If God overrode their free wills, he would once again have negated the entire purpose of his creation. So God told his people to destroy the inhabitants completely. Why? Couldn't the Israelites have lived together peacefully? alongside the inhabitants, there are actually two reasons why they could not have. One reason is once again the aspect of free will. No nation would willingly give up significant parts, i.e. most of their land, to house an entire foreign nation. And God isn't in the business of overriding people's wills. The second reason is even more compelling. God knew that the inhabitants of the land would infect his people with their godless values, their evil culture, and turn them to worship their idols. Deuteronomy 31.16 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and this people will rise up and go a-whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land, whether they go to be among them and will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them. And I will hide my face from them and they shall be devoured and many evils and troubles shall befall them so that they will say in that day, are not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day for all the evils which they shall have wrought in that they are turned unto other gods. And what happened? The people of that land weren't completely driven out or destroyed and they turned Israel away from worshipping God to worshipping idols. He knew his people would be taken away from him. So he wanted to jealously guard his people from what would destroy them spiritually. That gift of completely free will is the same reason why not everybody is a Christian today. If God ever forced everybody to worship him, it would be a lot easier if God did that. (laughs) If God somehow, against people's will, forced them to realize the truth and forced them to realize why they should worship him, that would be a lot easier on everybody. But if God forced everybody to worship him, then he hasn't given them a completely free will at all. So for his eyes on the prize of his people following him, no matter what, he endures this godless world until he can call all his people home to live with him in eternity. That's the reason why. Let's go back to the article now. Number three, they may affirm a culture adapting morality. Many atheists believe an action is moral or immoral based on its effect on the well-being of humanity. With no need to bring God into the picture, this view of morality ends up following certain societal norms. It's not so different for progressive Christianity. With the Bible evicted from its seat of authority, that authority will generally shift onto self. Where else is it going to go? Personal conscience, opinion, and preference becomes the lens through which life and morality is evaluated and interpreted. And this will usually be informed by the current cultural milieu or a person's social environment. Going to be dictated to by your environment. If you live off believing the word of God. In 2016, Jen Hatmaker sent shockwaves through American Christian culture by announcing she now affirms same-sex marriage. LGBT, which stands for lesbians, gays, bisexuals, and transgender activists. Matthew Vines tweeted that this made her one of the highest profile evangelicals to do so. She's hardly the only self-professed evangelical who no longer holds to the historical Christian position on sexuality and marriage. For atheists, morality has never been informed by the Bible. And for progressives, the Bible is being renovated to accommodate some of our culture's moral standards. A bit further down in the article it says, but as Campolo describes, he's the guy we were talking about right at the beginning of the article, as he describes, letting go of historical doctrines can be addictive. He explains, once you start adjusting your theology to match up to the reality you see in front of you, it's an infinite progression. For Campolo, sovereignty was the first to go. For others, it's a belief in biblical norms regarding sexuality and gender or the atoning sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Whatever it may be, once a person makes their own thoughts, feelings, and opinions the authoritative source for truth, their spirituality will reflect what they prefer rather than what is true. And the further a Christian walks down this path, the further they get away From a genuine relationship with God. Tim Keller aptly notes, what happens if you eliminate anything from the Bible that offends your sensibility and crosses your will? If you pick and choose what you want to believe and reject the rest, you will, how will you ever have a God who can contradict you? You don't. You won't. You'll have a Stepford God. Stepford just means someone who's regarded as robotically conformist or obedient. A God that just follows you robotically and does everything you desire. A God essentially of your own making and not a God with whom you can have a relationship and genuine interaction. And that's all I want to read from the article. You can see from the article that even denominational Christians, that don't uphold the truth of the Word of God in the same manner that we as a church organization do Recognize the dangers of compromise. If you don't love the truth, it's a slippery slope. For progressive Christians, and the Christians in inverted commas, who try to marry the church and the world together, who try to find common ground between biblical beliefs and the norms of society, it's the slipperiest slope of all. Once you start compromising the truth of God's word, It's a path that leads further and further and further away from God. And it's rarely a quick process. You're not following God strongly one day and then suddenly the next day it's... You're gone. It doesn't happen that way. It's a slow progression. First... You have questions about one thing that God has put in His Word. That's where it starts. You say, did God really mean that? Or, did God really mean it that way? Or, surely God doesn't want us to do that today in this world. I don't believe that Scripture applies to me, is another one. Or, I don't believe that Scripture applies to us in the same way that it did back then. Or the world has changed and we should remain relevant to the world. Your question, your doubt, starts to eat away at you. You keep thinking about it. You can't get it out of your head. It just starts to eat away, eat away. And as you allow it to do that, your opinion of the Word of God changes. And once you have settled it in your mind after a fight of reasoning, emotions, and perhaps even fear, you should be afraid, (laughs) you either change God's Word in your mind, or you skip over it entirely. You end up with either an amended version of God's Word, or a Bible that has a hole in it. And once that process has begun, it is easier for another part of God's Word to go by the wayside. And then another. And then another. And then another. Eventually, you start ending up with a Bible according to me. Or God's holy word is edited by me, myself, and I. Or an official Swiss cheese Bible, where there's nothing but air and static where important scriptures used to be. You've just taking those scriptures out of the Bible. You don't believe in them. You don't believe that they're for you. Did God inspire you to make revisions to his eternal word? No. Did God hire you to blow holes out of his saving word? No. When we change or ignore the truth of God's word, we make ourselves in our own eyes equal or greater than God. And we know how that worked out for the angel Lucifer, who we now know is the devil. He led a rebellion against God and God cast him out. You are saying that your own thoughts, opinions, and ideas are more important than what God has plainly stated in his word. This is nothing less than rebellion, which the Bible says is as the sin of witchcraft. It's as though you've completely given yourself over to the power of Satan to allow him to use you for his evil purposes. And you keep going down that path and it will happen. There is only one end to that slippery slope and that is spiritual death. When we allow our own opinions, thoughts and ideas or the opinions, thoughts and ideals of the world to mold, shape, and change our theology or what we think of God and how we follow God, anything can happen. And it's never good. One of the people referenced in the article was a formerly conservative Christian lady who started referring to God as a she. When the Bible specifically and always refers to God as being masculine. You see, you start putting your own thoughts and ideas into the Bible and it becomes twisted in your mind. You start believing things that are completely and utterly false. Kind of like what will happen when the Antichrist is in power. Second Thessalonians 2 and 9 says, Even him, talking about the Antichrist, who's coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, Because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So what does the Bible say about compromise? Proverbs 23 and 23 says, Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. We should hold on to the precious truth that we have. We should not let any of it go. First John 2.18 Little children, it is the last time. And as you've heard that antichrist shall come, even now are there many antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, But they went out, that they might be made manifest, that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. And a bit further down, it says, in verse 24, it says, Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. You keep hold of the truth of the word of God, and you have a promise. You have eternal life waiting for you. These things have I written unto you concerning them that that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, ye shall abide in him. God will help us to remain in the truth. Titus 1 and 14, Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men, that turn from the truth. Under the pure all things are pure, but under them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God. They say, I'm a Christian. But in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. Second Timothy one: This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. That's what we're seeing. Men are loving, mankind are loving their own selves. They're listening to what they think more than to what the Word of God says. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janes and Jamboree withstood Moses, these were the the false um, magicians that Pharaoh had, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. They didn't hold on to the truth of the word of God. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. And then, Pastor Paul contrasts as he's talking to Timothy what is going to happen and what the world will try to change the church into, into what should happen. And gives himself as an example. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. He didn't have to let go of his faith, he didn't have to change what God had put in His Word to get through the situation, to get through the trial. He kept faithful to God and the truth in His Word all of the way through. Yea, and all that God, that live will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. Progressive Christianity is one of them. But just an example. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. The truth. The truth of God's word. Knowing of whom thou hast learned. them, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. You can't do it without Jesus. You can't do it without His salvation. You can't do it without His atoning sacrifice. You can't do it without the truth of His Word. And then it goes on into an incredible Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. We can't change any of it. We can't reject any of it. It's all given for our good. It's all given for our benefit. It's all given as truth because God is truth. And there is no lie in Him. We talked about that in, in our teaching this morning. It's given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Romans 1 and 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. There's no doubt as to where the source of the truth came from. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. God has given us enough evidence to believe in him and his word by what we can see in the world around us, what he has created. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. They didn't worship him. They didn't lift him up. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. They thought that that what they thought, what they believed was more important than what God has put down for us to follow. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Amen. You know, some people have more affection for animals than for people. They treat animals in higher regard than God's ultimate creation. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lusts one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves their recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they didn't even want to think about God anymore. God gave them over to a reprobate mind, to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God. These are not people that are in the world that, are, that haven't known God. These are people that used to follow God. These are people that used to be in the church. That they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. These are the things that are waiting for those who don't treat the Word of God in high regard. Who think that they can change the truth of God's Word into a lie, into what they think, into what the way they think it should be into something that aligns with the society and their beliefs and their ideals and their traditions and get away with it. It's no wonder that progressive Christians are turning to atheism. This passage pretty much gives that as a natural progression of changing his word. If I could get someone to the piano, please. I'm glad I didn't say to the altar this time. (coughs) wondering if someone has been looking at the Word of God differently as being as not being the Word of God. I wonder if someone has looked at a scripture and said that's not for me, that's not for the church, that's not for us today. I wonder if someone has brought their own thoughts and ideas and changed the Word of God in their mind to mean something that God never meant it to say. I wonder if someone is having questions about the truth of God's Word. We cannot afford to bring our own ideas into the Word of God. We cannot afford to ignore any part of the Word of God We cannot afford to compromise for the sake of this world. We cannot change what God has put in His Word. We just follow. And when we don't, we start a slippery path. I wonder if there's anyone who has already started that slippery path this morning. God wants to warn you not to go there. God wants to warn you to keep close to him. There are blessings in following him according to his word. There are blessings when you say, God, I don't understand it. I don't understand it all. I don't understand everything, but I still worship you. I still follow you. I still believe in your word. I still believe that you came to die for my sins. I still believe that you have a heaven waiting for me. I still believe that you're coming back to take your people to be with you. I don't believe what the world is saying. I don't believe what society is saying. But I believe in your word. If you would stand to your feet, please. I would like to invite you Invite you to the altar. I would like to invite you to pray to God. This is a time of reconsecration. I believe that we are going to be tested in our faith and in our belief in the Word of God in the not too distant future. Now is the time to set it in your own head, to set it before God and say, I am not going to change. I am not going to lose my salvation. I am not going to turn away from God, no matter what comes, no matter the persecution. This is your time to say, God, I'm going to follow you no matter what. That is what he wants most of all in this wicked, adulterous, evil generation. So I invite you to come. I invite you to worship the Lord.